Good morning. As you're taking a seat, I want you to find a Bible or put your phone on airplane mode and go to your Bible there and turn to the first book in your Bible. It's the book of Genesis, and we're going to be in chapter 12 this weekend as we begin this new series, The Journey to a New Normal. Now, those of you who are new to MCC, those of you who are joining us online and in person, and those of you who've returned, it is so so good to see you back, and I know that as we celebrate the goodness of God this morning, that God is smiling as he looks down upon you and your faithfulness and your willingness to come out and to gather in his name. Let's grab our Bibles, let's grab our phones that have been opened to God's word, and let's continue our prayer that we've committed to pray each and every week that we're together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence with us always through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Today, as we gather in this room and as families gather together around their phones or their TV sets in their homes today or throughout the week, Father, we look to your word. We look to the truth of your word. And we ask you, Father, to lead us and to guide us and that you will find us obedient to the commands that you've given us within this written word. Father, we come to you as a people that represent this world and this nation that has turned its heart, its homes, its government, its judicial systems away from you. And Father, we repent of that sin. We recognize that without you there is disease, there is pestilence, there is loss. And Father, we pray that you will spare us. And that, Father, you would raise up a new generation. A generation that would not be corrupted. A generation, Father, that will say yes to you always. And that you would raise up leaders, should it be your desire to spare us. And to slow your coming. That others could know you. This is our prayer according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, you know, every once in a while, our lives get shaken up, right? Whether it's an unexpected teenage pregnancy or perhaps a, a late-in-life pregnancy. Whether it's a new job, an unexpected move or illness, even death. One day everything's normal and the next we find ourselves in new territory. One day the path is very clear, and, and the next we're not quite so clear if this is the path we should take or if this is a God-ordained detour that we're on. And what happens if things don't go back to the way they were? What if we look at the way things were and, and we look at the circumstances that have shaken up our lives and we realize that the way things were really aren't aren't the best. In fact, we know that God's desire is that we not return to some of those things, but that we look ahead. And what happens if our present situation isn't what God had in mind? Well, there's another option, and that is a new normal. There's another option, and that is to take all of our questions that come at a time like this. You know, the purpose and timing of this series is hopefully very obvious to you because this is where we find ourselves, like it or not. 
What was once considered normal has been shaken up by what? An unseen virus that's caused us to question if normal's where we want to return. And let me be clear, where the world has taken us and what some say is our new normal is not God's desire for you. His desire is not for you to live in fear. His desire is not for you to have questions that aren't being answered. His desire for you is not to follow the government who doesn't really care so much for you. So if the past and present aren't the normal we're living in, what should we be looking for? I propose to you today that the answer is right here in God's word. And the journey that we're going to be on together is going to be a great, great journey as we first look at the lives of two elderly people, an elderly couple, 75 and 65 years old, that were called to a new normal. I mean, their life was turned upside down. And then we're going to look at the journey of an entire nation, a nation very similar to ours to this new destination, this new normal that God has for them. So this weekend we begin with, I've got questions, and we do, and God has the answers. Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, now you know him as Abraham and his wife Sarai is Sarah. Okay, so I'm going to confuse their names several times, but by the time we get to chapter 16, their names have been changed by God. There's been circumcision, all these things. We're not going to cover all that today, but just know that Abraham and Sarah are Abram and Sarai. Leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. This is God talking. I will make you, Abram, into a great nation, and I will bless you. I'll make your name great. You will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed by you and through you. And then a couple chapters later, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, God takes Abraham, Abram outside at night, and he tells him to look up into the sky, and he says, you... You count those stars. And if you can count those stars, so shall your offspring be. Now, is God clear to Abraham? See, it seems pretty clear in his message. You're about to move, right? Right, pack it up. You're about to move. I have a new normal waiting for you. I'm going to take you to a place you've never been before. That's a new normal. I'm on your side no matter what. Now that's important. God is always on the side of those who he commands. He's always with us. I'm on your side no matter what. Look up and you start counting the stars on your way and know that as you count those stars, you are just catching a glimpse of the impact your faithfulness is going to have. Clear, right? No. No, now it's clear to us because we've read the next several chapters. Or, or maybe you've heard this account growing up back when you were a child. 
But for Abraham, it lacks some important details that brought to the surface, we're about to see, some very serious and valid questions. And this is the first thing that I want us to acknowledge on this journey that we're taking together some 4,000 years later. Surely, surely you and I have some serious questions about where we're going. And where should those questions be directed? They should be directed one place, right? And that is to the one who allowed the circumstances to begin with. Did you catch that? I, I haven't for a long time. And that is questions. Questions come from circumstances that grab our attention and cause us to ask. And so we believe that God is sovereign, right? That God is in control, that God is completely aware of everything that was and is and will be. And so we believe that nothing happens unless it passes through God's plan, unless he allows it. And so listen, when circumstances come in your life and questions are raised, who should you go to with those questions? This is 101 logic. You should go to the one who allowed the circumstances to begin with. Doesn't that make sense? So what's grabbed your attention lately? What questions have come to the surface? I'll tell you some of them that have come to my mind. Who should I listen to? Who should I listen to? When will it be safe? Is it July? Is it, is it December? Is it next year? When's it going to be safe? Will God protect me? A question every one of you had to answer this week. Maybe you didn't even answer it until this morning when you got in the car or when you arrived in this parking lot. Should the gathering matter? I'll tell you a question that a friend raised to me this past week, and I believe it's valid. If you watch the news, does God, does God desire that we ministers of the gospel, that we trust Facebook and YouTube and other social platforms to be the sole carrier of the preached message when it's already being given over to censorship? Do you think that's what God wants? And then there are the same questions we had before that resurface again when faced with this uncharted territory that we're in. Should Christians lead or follow? Should Christians lead or follow? Who or what gets the focus of my time and resources? Should we pray as a nation? Should not the first call be that churches around the world and people like you and me get on our knees and pray? Does a government who supports abortion really have much concern for my life? The same time that they're telling you to stay in the house, Nancy Pelosi and others are packing, packing legislation that's supposed to spare you financial destruction. They're packing it with money to go to abort babies. Is God's definition of sexuality and marriage the only truth? 
Am I responsible for teaching my children, or does this rest with the state and local school system? Questions. And so God says to Abram, you're going to be the father of this great nation. Your descendants will be greater than the stars in the sky. It sounds great, right? Not really. Not really. What about right now, God? God, do you not remember my wife, Sarah? She's been infertile since we got got married. What about the fact that I'm 75? I thought about this last night when I answered the rhetorical question. How many of us at the age of 75 get a fresh call from God? And then I looked out and saw Brenda Biggs, (laughs) who seven or eight years ago when her husband died, had a fresh call from God. Brenda, will you teach? (laughs) Brenda, will you volunteer in 15 different ways? Brenda, will you lead the way in a financial campaign campaign by by giving up your entire security blanket? (laughs) Yes. What about the fact that, that Joshua 24, 2 says that, that Abram's father, Terah, was not only an idol worshiper, but an idol maker. Abram comes from a family where God isn't even the focus of their worship. All these questions, but look at Abram's response. Go back to Genesis 12 for a minute and look at verse 4. What does it say? Does it list all of those questions? Not at first. Verse 4 says, so Abram left. Later in the book of Hebrews, the great chapter of faith, verse 8, summarizes Abram's response this way. Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. So here's the first thing. Now, when we start a series, I usually lay down two or three truths that you that you can hold on to throughout the series. And next week's going to really, really back this up as we look at the life of Joseph. But here's the first truth. Faith is obeying God even when what he's asked of you doesn't make sense at the moment. That's faith. Faith is obeying God even when, he's asked, even when what he's asked of you doesn't make sense at the moment. Now, that's difficult to do. But Abram... Obeys God. He takes action. Does he have questions? You bet he does. But Abraham understands something that we need to understand in our lives. And this is a theme that's repeated over and over again as he makes the same mistakes that many of us have made. But we need to anchor our lives to this truth. He knows that obedience to God will bring the answers that we seek. Notice Abraham doesn't have to have all of the answers before he gets up and leaves. He's obedient first, trusting that God will bring the answers through obedience. Now, every week, every week that we take this journey together and we're together on the weekends, God's going to be speaking to you and he's going to be asking you to do some things. In fact, he already has. Last weekend... We focused on truth. What are we to do with truth? We're to seek truth, right? We're to live in truth. That means we're to be obedient to truth. We're to walk in truth. And we are to trust. Not trust everybody, not trust everything, but trust what? Trust the truth. And Jesus said, right, I'm the way and the truth 
and the life, so follow me. Now, yes, this brings questions, but they are not questions that should negate our obedience to the command. With that in mind, let's keep reading. God calls Abram to get up and move, leave what's familiar to him, to a place that he's not seen or been before. Genesis 15, 6 says, Abram believed the Lord. He got up and went. Romans chapter 4, verse 18 summarizes what happens. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Now, here's the second truth as we're about to see Abram and Sarah take a couple of detours. There's often nothing about our situation that will give us faith to act. Whatever situation you find yourself in right now, right? We're always asking God for a sign, right? God, God, why? There is nothing about your current situation and the circumstances of that situation that will give you the faith that you need to act. Consider Abram's situation. He had every reason not to believe. Every reason not to believe. He had bad parenting. Some of you know what that's like. His father did not believe in God, did not worship God. In fact, he went the opposite direction and created little G-gods, idols. He not only made them and sold them and put that into other people's homes, but he followed them himself. He had bad parenting. He had every reason not to believe. He had his age. Where had God been the other 55 years? Where had God been during all of Sarah's infertility? He had his age. He had his wife's infertility. It didn't make any sense. Yet Abram believed against all hope that God would do what he said he would do. You see, Abram's willingness to obey was not dependent on the circumstances of his life. But instead, they were dependent on what he was beginning to know to be true about God's character. Now, the circumstances of this year, and, and I want you to think about all the other uncharted times that you've experienced. For some reason, when the circumstances of the last three months came, those of us who are believers, many of us, we forgot all about the circumstances of the past, all about the times that God has been faithful. All of a sudden, all of that was thrown out the window. But I want you to go back and I want you to think about all the uncharted times that you've experienced, whether it was uh, the, the death of a loved one, a 36-year-old husband or, or wife, uh, unexpected, unexpected children, pregnancies that, that you thought were just going to ruin everything. But what a blessing God turned them into. Rebelling adolescence. You, you thought you'd never get through that season. Job loss and and disease and, and other viruses. These things are just that. They're uncharted territory. And when these times come, when these times come, we've got to answer this question, right? Who do we trust? <laughs> Who do we trust? 
How do we respond? On what facts will we base our next steps? And the biggest question, what's God's expectation of me in this situation? And that's the next point for us to remember throughout this series. God's expectation is that we stay the course even when it seems that God has changed directions. Even when it seems that God has temporarily left us. Even when it seems that the direction isn't, isn't clear anymore. We trust him first. We stay true to his commands. We trust his sovereignty, his protection, and his plans. Now, Abraham and, and Sarai, they, they're off to a great, great start. Obedience first. Answer to the questions will come later. They made a big, big move. And he's often credited with that by guys like me. But, but it's not long. And Abraham and Sarah are just like us. They find themselves in this in this everyday life. <laughs> and time has gone by, right? Time heals, but also time brings its own set of questions. And the first set of questions was in chapter 12. I want you to notice the first detour there. Look yourself. Where does Abraham and Sarah go? They go where God has been leading them, but all of a sudden a famine comes. And famine is a theme throughout the entire Old Testament. And what have we learned from guys like Abimelech, right, in Ruth's story? When famine comes, sometimes we often leave where God has been blessing us, and we go, we go to where we think there's food instead of staying faithful. And that's exactly where Abram and Sarah go. They go to Egypt. And apparently Sarah was a hottie at the age of 65, now, I started getting some talking back last night. Women were wanting to stand up and say, look at me, I'm 65. <laughs> Times were different then, apparently. <laughs> but she was a hottie. And she shows up, and those Egyptian men were hot on her path, right? And what's Abram do? He becomes disobedient. And he doesn't follow the truth he says, Sarah, I want you to tell them you're my sister so that they will spare me. Then Sarah has this idea in chapter 16. Somehow she thinks that her sketchy detour is something that God will be okay with. Even maybe he had put this in her mind. Any of you ever feel like that? You're faithfully following God. Something happens. It doesn't seem like things are moving along well enough. You're, you're loving your wife, right? You're, you're doing the 40-day the thing where you love your wife, as 1 Corinthians 13 tells you, love, and she's just not responding. And, and you're right there at day 39. You're like, I can't take it anymore. Or vice versa. It's usually the other way around. Before Sarah jumps out and says the truth. But Sarah has this idea, and all of a sudden she thinks it's God's idea. But I want you to remember this. God is not into the sketchy. When you and I have these ideas come up like Abram says to Sarah, just tell him you're my sister. And we think that that's just a necessary thing to get through this storm. I want you to know that every time you take a detour like that, you are delaying God's blessing in your life. You are. It's why so often we have to wait and we have to wait and we have to 
wait. I am convinced that Abram's little story there in Egypt delayed the promised, the promised child. This detour, see, God isn't into the sketchy. Why isn't he into the sketchy? Because it's his name riding on what he has asked of us, not ours. But it's his name, one of the first commands, right? You will not misuse the name of the Lord. You'll not use the Lord's name in vain. You might remember it from the King James Version. What's that mean? It doesn't just mean talking like a foolish person and, and cursing his name, which is all that does is makes you out to be a fool. But it's when we attribute his name to things that he has nothing to do with by our lifestyles, by the pledges that we make and break. His name is writing on this. Chapter 16, verse 1. Here's Sarah's idea. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had bore him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant. I want you to think, where'd that maidservant come from? It came from their detour. Had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Notice the key word. Perhaps I can. What's Sarah doing? She's doing the same thing that you and I do. Sarah is answering the question. And when Sarah's answering the question, who isn't? God. Abram, Sarah is answering the questions. And what we read in verse 2 is that Abram was a fool and agreed to what Sarah proposed. Now you can blame it on hardening of the arteries, that he wasn't thinking clearly. But in Scripture, all we read is that he agreed. And our obedience and disobedience, men and women, it impacts the people around us. And it delays God's blessing. So Hagar conceives, and not surprisingly, Sarah becomes bitter towards her. Hagar goes out into the wilderness alone, delivers a child named Ishmael. And a whole lot of problems happen. I'll just summarize. It's a whole other story. But who does Ishmael become the father of? He gets a nation of his own. He becomes the father of the Arab nation who become the Muslim nation. And who's been fighting since then? The Muslims... And the Christians. In Genesis chapter 21, verse 1, they get through all of that, and we read that God was gracious to Sarah and did for her what he had promised. She became pregnant. She bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. If you look at chapter 20, you see that God and Abram had one of several discussions face to face. And God said, This time next year, he sent three visitors. This time next year, we're going to be back, and your wife's going to be with child. Sarah laughed, right? Abraham had laughed before. It's all kind of funny. But in chapter 21, verse 1, it happened. 25 years have passed. What Abram's most known, well-known for is found in Genesis chapter 22, where we read about God doing what? Calling Abraham to sacrifice his son, the same son promised that God would build a nation to through chapter 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Now, we know it's a test from the beginning, but Abraham doesn't know it's a test. 
Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Remember that. That should be familiar to you. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now, surely now, Abraham's going to ask, why? Surely now, Abraham's going to come up with those, one of those famous detours, sketchy detours. No, he doesn't. Why? What's the difference? Because he has learned. My friends, if anything comes out of these last three months, let it be that we learn. Let it be that we learn that obedience first brings the answer to the questions. And the one who allowed the circumstances, right, is the one with the answer to the questions. Abraham's starting to get it. In fact, so much so that he doesn't ask why. In verse 3, it just says early the next morning he heads out. He doesn't sit for a week or two. He doesn't take a Facebook poll. How many of you have taken Facebook polls over the last three months? God help you. My goodness. He doesn't wait until dark because he's afraid of how this is going to look to the world. Listen, you in this room, you in this room are going against the world right now. And you know what? You're not being flamboyant about it. We're not posting on Facebook, look at us, we're meeting while other churches aren't. We're simply being obedient, but we aren't doing it in the dark. Abraham heads up the mountain. He had a lot of questions. It had to be the most agonizing trip ever. But finally in verse 5 it says they arrive and at the foot of the mountain we see another glimpse. Abram says to his servants these famous words, you stay here and we will go and worship and we will return. Notice the key word is what? We'll go and worship and I will return? No. We will go to worship and we will return. What does that mean? That means that Abraham knew at this point in his life that God would provide the answer. After he was obedient. The book of Hebrews says Abraham reasoned to himself that God could even bring his son back from the dead. Abraham says, we will come back, my son and I together. Verse 6, as the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father. Isaac had questions. Father, yes, my son, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. You know, it's one thing to have faith. It's another to have faith and lead your family. It's one thing to have faith and lead others. And here what we see is the beginning of young Isaac's faith being developed. Dad, where's the offering? Son, the one who allowed this question to come, the one who commanded us to go and worship, he will provide the answer, right? Isaac's learning. 
Isaac is taking his first step to trusting God when it doesn't make sense, believing that obedience to God brings the answer. Verse 9, when they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar, bound his son, put him on the altar, drew his knife, and as he was about to slay his son, the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, don't do anything. Now, just a side note, elderly Always keep your hearing aids up. <laughs> Don't take them out. Leave, leave them in. I would, it's just funny. We go see my mom sometimes and we're having a conversation. She doesn't say a word. And then I look over and her ears are on the table. <laughs> Don't do anything to him. Why? Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket was a ram caught by the horns. And you know what he named that place? God will provide. Now listen, this is our final takeaway. You've stayed awake through this whole thing. But it's the most important part. God's answer to every question God's answer to every question, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And you say, that's simple. What about God isn't simple? What about the Christian life isn't simple? It's not complicated. It was the answer, think about this, to all the questions that Abraham and Sarah could have asked at the beginning. Right? Let's say that they... They put out a Facebook poll. Let's say that they took three or four weeks to think about it. And they said, okay, we're going to do this, but only after you show us, God. Hey, give me the map. Give me the GPS coordinates. Tell, tell me where we're going to go. Think about that. The answer would still require the same extraordinary faith. What land, God? Well, God will provide. How, God? God will provide. I'm 90, God. God will provide. Sacrifice what? God will provide. So what about you? What questions are you facing already in this journey that you're being called to lay down this new baseline in your life, this normal that's not what the governor of Kentucky says is your new normal or some other person in authority. But God, what baseline does God have for your life? For what is to be normal? A normal that's in full alignment with him and his plan. Are you willing? Are you willing to trust that he will provide? In this encounter on this mountain between Abraham, Isaac, and God, God's giving us, he's giving us a hint as to what would come sometime later. Here on this mountain, we have a father who's been asked to sacrifice his son, but it was just a test. But what would happen on a mountain in that very same region? A father would take his son, his one and only son that he so loved, he would take him up on that mountain, that hill outside of the city, and he would sacrifice him.
Jesus Christ would lay down his life. There would not be a substitution because the only substitution made was Jesus was substituted for you and I. 2,000 years later, God's asking us. He's asking us to trust him. He's asking us to trust him with our obedience. He's saying, I've gone to the mat for you. In fact, because of what I've done, you now have the opportunity to have my spirit living inside of you. Something that Abraham didn't yet have. A spirit that will empower you, that will reassure you, that will speak to you, that will give you only the truth, that will allow you to discern things that you never, never could grasp before. Will you? Will you follow him? <laughs> Will you trust him on this journey? Let's stand together and let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this church and thank you for those who are out today and those that are tuned in. Thank you, Father, for the questions that you have allowed to come to us through the circumstances that you've allowed over these last three months. Thank you, Father, for turning us upside down. Thank you, just like you took Ananias and Sapphira's life before they ended up having to live a life of sin and deceit last week, as we learned. Father, thank you for disrupting us in the normal that we thought was so awesome, yet was so far from your will and your plan for our lives. And God, certainly where we're at is not what you intended for us. You did not intend for us to live in fear. You did not intend for us, Father, to live in a society that favors abortion over life. Where people choose to engage each other in ways that are outside of your plan for marriage and sexuality. Father, where we're screaming for justice by burning down buildings and businesses when you are the one who brings justice. You're the one who brings vengeance. You're the one, Father, who shows us how to live. So God, help us to trust you. Help us to bring these questions to you who allowed all of this to begin with because of our sinfulness. And Lord, may we be obedient to you knowing that you'll provide the answer then, not before. Thank you for the certainty we have that the question to our answers and all the promises that you've been made are yes through one person, Jesus Christ, who died on that hill but rose again on the third day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This weekend, we've reserved these last 10 minutes for you to respond, as always. And your response can come in a variety of ways, one of which is to come and be baptized to receive Jesus Christ as Savior, but also Lord of your life. You need him. You need his salvation and you need his lordship to guide you and to direct your life. If you're here and you're an immersed believer and you've been around long enough now to hear that we preach the truth and nothing but the truth, so help us God. 
and you want to be part of this church family, come. We would love to have you stand before this church, simply repeat the profession of faith that you made when you received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, and be a member of this body where we're joined together by that truth. Perhaps today you come wanting to recommit yourself to this journey that you'll be present every week here or online that you will do what God commands you to do and that you will trust him with the questions and the answers that he'll bring. Whatever your need, this is the time to come as we sing this amazing song, God, I'll build my life on you.